Welcome to the Mission Cleveland weekly podcast, encouragement and hope in a despairing world. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. John. So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father. So whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught at Capernaum. This is the gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Please be seated. Well, good evening, everyone. It's really, really great to be here tonight. And I'm, I'm excited that things are starting to cook back up at Lee, and it just feels like we're all coming home again. And so, welcome. Let me pray, and we'll meditate on these readings from the night. Well, Lord, come and be with us as we slow down and we remember your desire for us to be close to you. And I don't know if it's just me or, or there may be others here that, that just need to be reminded of this truth that you, you want to be close to us. You so want to be near to us. And so, Lord, let us arm our hearts and our minds with that great and wonderful truth. Holy Spirit, we invite you here. Amen. I grew up in a, a really rural town, a town of less than a thousand people, and we didn't have like a middle school. And so we started high school in eighth grade. And it's already like hard enough to do that freshman year, but like when you start out like in the eighth grade, and then you have to kind of step into this world and you have no idea what's going on. It was a small school, but it seems so overwhelming to me. And my, my good friend had a brother who was a senior already and played football. And I remember about two weeks into my high school career, eighth grade, I'm walking down the hallway, and Danny Wilson charged after me, and he picked me up on his shoulders, and he just gave me this huge hug, and he said, Luke is so cool. <laughs> and I just remember feeling like acceptance, like I had never felt it before in my life, like from people outside of my family. Like, there's a place for me here. What we sometimes refer to as a sense of belonging. And tonight I want to talk about belonging. It's one of our core commitments as a church. I think we might have some of those up on the screen here. And belong is the first one. And I want to talk about uh, what it means to belong, especially a sense of belonging. And when I say core commitment, I don't mean that these are things that we 
half perfect or that we do them better than anybody else or we don't have room to grow in these things. But I do mean that our core commitments are non-negotiable convictions for us here at Mission Cleveland that are drawn from our desire to regularly participate in the grace of Jesus Christ through the presence of the Holy Spirit as we live out the mission of God. And we see that mission, the mission of God here at Mission Cleveland, as God's gathering of a beautiful and diverse people in this world. So tonight, I'll talk a little bit about belonging. Next week, Peyton will also talk about belonging. But I want to focus on what we mean when we say a sense of belonging, that kind of internal reality. What I'm defining as the recognition that there's a place for me here, not just at this church, but at the table of God. Belonging, we know, is a basic human need. It's just like eating and shelter, like we, we need it. If we don't go with, if we go without it, then we kind of starve. Without a sense of belonging, we're easily overcome with this painful reality. The ones that we experience in the world, whether they're emotional or physical or relational or even spiritual. I was thinking about this this weekend. I, I watched a, a movie that was originally a play that was written by August Wilson in 1985. The name of the movie and the play is Fences. Stars Denzel Washington, who's the, the lead character, Troy. And it took place in the 1950s, the setting, 1950s Pittsburgh. And Troy is, is, is a guy who's never, for, for all you can tell, ever experienced a sense of belonging. His father abused him when he was a child. He was kicked out of the house at age 14. He started to steal and kind of made a life for himself as, as someone who just could make it by through stealing. And eventually in his life, he murdered someone in the act of a robbery. In prison, he realized that he had kind of a knack for baseball. And um, when he got out of prison, he joined the African-American League and was like an MVP star player in his league. But he never could make it. He couldn't break that color barrier and get into the majors. And so the, the picture you get of Troy is this, this, this man who's so full of resentment and bitterness. And he just kind of, he's left to uh, assume this role as a garbage man. Falls into alcoholism and infidelity. And like nothing gets in. So guarded, so bitter, even death. Like he taunts death in this movie. One of my favorite lines in the movie is when, when he says, Death ain't nothing but a fastball on the outside corner. Death isn't even going to get to him. He's not letting anyone or anything in. Without a sense of belonging, we will miss the God-given uniqueness of who we are. We need the radical acceptance of others so that we can experience the radical acceptance of God. And sadly, without belonging, we so often live a shadow version of ourselves. We struggle to be fully who we are. A 
Possibly the best biblical image for belonging is a meal. Kevin, if you can flip it to that next image. And I just love these, these images. These are just different images of the Last Supper. And the ones that I particularly like are the ones that kind of represent a lot of diversity. I know it may not be historically correct, but it certainly is theologically correct. And I particularly like the one that's on like the left lower corner because like they're, it's almost hard to look at disfigured faces and just almost like you, you don't want to see it. But what I love about that image is it, it's like, isn't that what we're called to bring to the table? Like all of ourselves, every single part of ourselves, even the parts that we don't want anybody else to see, we're, we're called to bring them to the table of the Lord, and we know that he accepts us every time we come to the table. The, the meal, an image of belonging. The Old Testament Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread together made up a seven-day festival. We might say that it's primarily the meal that commemorates God's protection and provision of his people. There's some way that we remember our sense of belonging to God as we eat together. And it's in the sacred meal of the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread that God's people look backward and are regathered in his story some kind of relationship between memory and meal. Tonight we're, we're having a picnic together, as Peyton said, in, in Deer Park, and I'm not trying to make a complete comparison between uh, something like the Old Testament Passover or the feast to a picnic, but there's still something that happens when we eat together, even if it's not a sacramental meal. It can still be sacred. And it may sound odd that a picnic can have such a profound impact on us. But have you experienced that? Where you just sit down at table with someone and you just recognize, like, I need this. Something that just speaks to our hearts. That sense of belonging, the meal. And it's not just that we're connecting with others. I, I think there's something even more profound going on, even in a meal, even in a picnic, where we remember our unique relationship with the God who saves us. In the New Testament, you really never see Jesus refusing anyone from a meal. This is Mark chapter 2. And Jesus reclined at the table in his house. Many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. I mean, there's a lot that we can say about these passages, but at least this belonging is not about us perfecting ourselves before we sit down with that meal with Jesus. Like, he's not saying, get your act together before you come and eat with me. That's not Jesus' tone. In fact, I think a lot of times it's in the meal that we start to be perfected by him. We're just spending time with our Lord. Luke chapter 24. This is a resurrection narrative. When he was at table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it, and he gave it to them, and their eyes were open, and they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight. 
They said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened us the scriptures? Belonging isn't even about how much we know about Jesus. Like we've got to have all our theology and doctrine right before we share a meal with him. If, if, if the road to Emmaus narrative is telling us any, anything, it's that oftentimes there's something that's revealed to us even when we take the meal together. Like we start to see Jesus even more profoundly. The only real time in, in the New Testament, I think, and if you're a biblical scholar and you come up with another one that I didn't see, come tell me. I'll be glad to be corrected on this. But I think... Really, the only time we see someone not actually sharing in the meal is when they turn it down. Jesus says in Matthew 22, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son and sent his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding feast. If you remember that, he invites several times. But they would not come. You can just go back to that slide, Kevin. The gospel suggests to us that where there is a table, there is also an invitation for you to come and eat. Where there is a table, there's a constant reminder that there is a place here for me. It's a table of belonging. That the mission of God to gather a beautiful and diverse people includes me too. That I belong here. And that doesn't mean that there won't be times in our lives where we need to work on some reconciliation with God or, or someone else and we choose to abstain from the table. I mean, Paul gives some warnings about that. But I want to say the vast majority of times in our lives, it's the Eucharistic meal, what we refer to as, as the communion meal. It's the Eucharistic meal itself that breaks down the barriers to belonging. It's one reason that here in our Anglican context, we celebrate communion every single Sunday. Every time we gather together and worship, we're going to celebrate communion because we believe in the power of the table, God's presence. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10, the cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. I was really struck this week by that, that word partake, that verb. It, it's, it's at the same time it means to eat or drink and to join in. It's like in the best possible meaning of the word consume, like we consume Christ and we also do it together. It's when we break bread together that we do both of those simultaneously. And the literal translation of the verb is that we hold together with, we share, we become co-participants in this meal. There is one loaf of bread. All of us, though many, are one body. What an amazing passage just to go retreat on. Just take it. Listen to the Lord. Just go back to that image one more time. 
I've always loved the Anglican collect. It's uh, just another word for prayer, the Anglican collect for mission, which begins this way. Lord Jesus Christ, you stretched out your arms of love on the hardwood of the cross that everyone might come within the reach of your saving embrace. Just the imagery there of, of Jesus stretching out his arms to embrace the church, you and me. And even though there may be a large part of us that really does believe that gospel reality, that recognizes that the heart of God is for all of us to be at the table, we also have these life scripts that compete with our longing to be with God and be more open to this sense of belonging, these things that just compete with the reality that we know God is trying to present to us, lies. I just want to mention two tonight. The first one is a question. Here it is. Do I fit here? Do I really belong? There's something different about me. I'm not like everyone else. There's just something that I just can't seem to fit. In his work on the theology of disability, Stanley Harawas writes these words. The most stringent power we have over another person is not physical coercion, but to have another accept our definition of them. The most stringent power we have over another person isn't physical, but it's to convince someone of our definition of who they are. And one way we push against creating a sanctuary of belonging is to define what normal means and then carry that definition with us as we move into the community. The expectation that we all come to the table with a single normal story. But let's remember that in Scripture there are 12 tribes, there are 12 disciples, there's one table, there's one bread, there's one God. Harwell also says this, the demand to be normal can be tyrannical. And if we were to be a good community, we must realize we would not be whole without the other being different than us. The tyranny of normalcy. Can we just watch out for that? Such a dangerous reality for the church. And so when the question comes, do I fit here, or some variation of the belief, like I'm not worthy, or there's something off in me, can I just invite you to take a step of courage, believing that there is a place for you at the table? If the table doesn't stand as a meal for the gathering of God's beautiful and diverse people, then it really doesn't stand at all. I just want to encourage you to remember that the church will never be fully alive with you on the outside. We'll always be short. We'll always be missing something without you. A second life script that really competes with God's grand gathering and a sense of belonging is, is just this statement, I don't trust what I see. And I get that, by the way. I, I know we all have baggage. We all have stuff that we carry in. 
I don't trust what I see. It's too rigid and stiff. It's too conservative or not conservative enough or it's too progressive or not progressive enough. And we've all heard the stories. We've all had the experiences. I'm sure we could go around the room for the next 10 hours and talk about all the ways we've been hurt or frustrated. In fact, we want to really give special attention to that here at Mission Cleveland. It really is part of who we are. It's really important to us that we listen to one another's stories. And I was just thinking about this time when, when I was frustrated with the church and I was, I was in this meeting and, and there was a decision in the meeting by the, the leader of the group to ask some person of the team to leave, like to fire them. And I couldn't figure out why we were doing this. And I just completely disagreed with this decision. And I, you know, I wasn't in charge, right? It just happened that way. And I remember after this person was let go, the leader of the group sat us all down in a room, and we were just processing, and he said to the group, he said these words, friends, this is the church. This is just the way it is. As if to say, like, well, there's just going to be casualties, I guess, if we do church. <laughs> like, Okay. And I've had like several years to think about this, and that, that thought just still bothers me so much. You just want to go back in time and say, really? Does it have to be that way? Does it really have to be that way? What if we really cared about God gathering a beautiful and diverse people in this world? What if that really was important to us? How would our commitment to belonging and creating a space for belonging change? Because I'm pretty convinced that's the church. That's what's important to us. Again, we may not do it perfectly here, but I want you to hear my heart. Like, that is really important to us here at Mission Cleveland. If having a sense of belonging is difficult for you, I want to just suggest two practices in closing. And, and the first is, I think it's kind of simple, but I know it's not as simple as it's going to sound. Sit down at the table. Take your seat at the table. There's a seat for you. Don't question it. It's a seat uniquely for you to come and share in this meal. Holy simplicity, sit down at the table. And as you sit down, really be mindful to be okay with who's sitting down beside you. That there will be people at the table that have hurt you. There will be people at the table that you've hurt. That's the church, to sit down at the table and to share that meal. It's the meal of belonging. Sit down at the table, and, and secondly, a practice. Whatever script you find yourself rehearsing, whether it's like, do I fit here, or I don't trust this, or I'm not worthy, or nobody understands me, whatever that script is that you're carrying in, I just want to prayerfully invite you to rehearse this script. There is a place for me at the table. It's a simple script. There is a place for me at this table. It's the script of belonging. There are other ways to rehearse that script. Paul says, there's one loaf of bread. All of us, though many, are one body. 
for we are of the same love. And Jesus says it this way. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Not like the bread that the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening. Join us at the Mission Cleveland next week.